This is Cars on Holiday, the 2014 summer music compilation from... In this show, music from Paul Willer. A punk flashback from the Wranglers. Another 24 hours by Funny Bone. To go for another long distance race. To do another 24 hours. Along with out of season seasonal pop folk from Gareth Jones on Speed and Sons. Plus, a brand new tune from Flanagan and Allen. That's Gareth Flanagan and Steve Allen. We both wear a lid, the battlefield's on the grid. We're fighting over the land that we call Poland. Oh, where were you? Were you there too? Standing in the trenches by the fences. This is the 2014 Gareth Jones on Speed Summer Music Compilation. It's that time of the year we're all thinking about going on holidays. I thought we'd talk about the holidays that we had as kids in cars. Now, for me, if there was a zenith of that, it was driving to Spain in 1969 in a Ford Cortina estate. Richard, what typifies holidays as a kid in a car for you? Being in the back of a car and it being incredibly hot because, of course... We cars, didn't have AC. Uh, didn't having we? air conditioning. No, no, I was talking about the 80s. A normal family car didn't have air conditioning. That would have been mind-boggling. Yes. The thing is, even back then, and what? I don't think this happens so much now, you would go abroad for a holiday drive to somewhere in Europe, even just France, our nearest neighbour... And you would see cars you didn't see. Ah, yes. And they would be tremendously exotic. Oh, the Taurus, the Ford Taurus 17M. I remember getting so excited. And the, uh, what was it, the Simca 1307. Oh, the Chrysler 1307. Basically the Alpine, the Chrysler Alpine. I remember seeing that in Europe and being very excited. Yeah, it had a different name. Yeah. Yeah. But then there were also those funny little rear engine Simcas. Yeah, the 1,000. Seems to be a lot of those in Spain and France. Mike Peters from The Alarm had one. We did our early touring days. Really? You really saw them, did you? Yeah, replaced the imp, didn't it? Zog, as a kid, driving holidays? We didn't really have driving holidays as a kid. I have plenty of memories of sharing the car with inadequate food supplies. And, you know, (laughs) know, on on a summer day, there's something very unappetising about a hard-boiled egg that's just 
been sitting in a box a little bit too long. Oh, and, yeah. You know, oh, a rather limp kind of sandwich. The packed lunch. And, you know, mm. yeah. The packed though, lunch. There was something else. When we <laughs> used to go on holiday in Britain, you'd go to, I don't know, Norfolk or something, or Scotland or Wales, and, and my dad was weirdly obsessed with Little Chef, and he loved a Little Chef, and he would sort of always contrive it that we would be somehow passing a Little Chef around lunchtime. And he'd go, oh, there's a Little Chef. We're going there. Now, as kids... What a surprise. A Little my, Chef? I wasn't yes, expecting to I, well, <laughs> oh, well, hello to you, sir, you microscopic gastronome. Let's go in there. My did dad he, doesn't talk like that, but... Did he like everything on the menu? I don't know. Just, just I don't know, but the thing of... is, do you know sometimes, I think when you're a kid, your parents present a unified front, and you believe yes. that they are essentially sort of the same person. And of course, they're not. They were yeah, once individual yeah. people who never even met. <laughs> and But there's a point where you think that your parents actually sort of share entirely the same beliefs and views about everything. It's definitely some kind of sort of Borg deal yeah, going on and I there. thought some that my parents both liked a little mind, chef. Yeah. And I thought that Dad was in the vanguard of this because he was driving, usually, and probably have, have memorised the map, and he used to take us to a little chef. And then eventually my mum broke rank and was like, I hate Little Chef. Why do we always go to Little Chef? I don't want to go to any more Little Chef. If we have to eat somewhere, we've got to find a pub or something or a cafe. There's got to be somewhere else to eat. And my dad was like, no, 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 no. We, we'll go to the Little Chef. Now, of course, me and my brother, we like the Little Chef because you've got a lollipop at the end. Of course. Uh, and that yes. tiny piece of bribery on the part of enough. the Little Chef company was enough yeah. for us to side with my father. Oh. And my mum was almost ostracised, made to stay in the car. Did both your parents drive on family holidays? Mostly my dad. But no, they would do a bit of shared driving. Yeah, yeah. Most notably, we went on holiday to North Wales once, and my dad sprained his ankle on the beach while we were hoofing <laughs> a ball around or something. I can't oh, remember. Candid noise a bit treacherous, was basically, it? the tide was coming in, and we were sort of still splashing around in, in just where the water was lapping onto the sand. And I think some other kids had dug a big hole earlier in the day. <laughs> a man trap. And then left him with the water, just flowed in and covered it. And my dad, while he was going for an ambitious catch of a frisbee or a kick of a ball or something, just put his ankle into it. And the consequence was your mum dropped. My mum had to go and get the car. And uh, I remember this being a discussion. It's a good job that mum can drive. Because a lot of, well, not a lot, but some of my friends' parents, their mums couldn't drive. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is that surprising or not? I'm always surprised by people who can't drive. Yeah. Grown-ups who have no other reason to not drive. I know it's expensive to learn. They've never wanted to. Well, they have a medical condition. They have epilepsy or something like that. prohibits them getting a licence without a lot of complicated paperwork and medicals. But if you're just an adult who could drive and you don't. Born, yeah. I'm not saying he's a three-line whip have to get a car and go on holiday in it or something but why don't you drive learn to drive my dad would never let my mother drive his car she had her own car mam had an imbora yeah. a mini or a can i just go back to something because it's going to bother yeah. me for the go rest on. of the time yeah that simca didn't replace the imp the sunbeam replaced the imp no no on. no no i think you will find that the simca 1000 was brought in as the direct replacement for the hillman imp long before i'll, we have, had you the sunbeam. A, I'll have you a ten on that a tenner? Yeah. Fifty. Ooh. I haven't, yeah, really. Fifty quid. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, woof. Yeah. That's how confident that's I am on my business. Business. You know what? I haven't got any cash on me either. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I think you find I'm right, Mr. Porter. So hang on, what are the parameters We'll find out. That it is widely recognised, probably on Wikipedia, that, uh, that the Simca 1000 was the replacement for the rear-engined imp, the similarly rear-engined imp when it was withdrawn from the UK sales. I think you find that's right. I'm very confident in it's this. 50 quid? Yeah, 50, I mean, 50 I'm, quid. I'm, so, yeah. as you are, I'll your I'm favourite the charity. And adjudicator of that's this. That's all right, uh, I like those yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. your favourite charity. Yeah. Yes. yeah, okay. In the meantime... I don't know why you're going to charity, I just take the money, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, we haven't yeah, explained. My, the... well, my favourite charity is me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And my ability to drink wine. I figure that's the basis. If you do these kind of bets, you do it because you're just proving how confident you are in your Yeah, it's, in, it's, in all, your it's all showmanship. Anyway, yeah. shall we play some music? Uh, yes, I was going to finish a thought before we oh, did. Oh, go on, sorry. Just yeah. uh, in that drive that I did, I was talking about the iconic drives, that iconic drive from Britain to Spain and back uh, yeah. that I did with my family in 1969 with my parents and my two sisters in a Ford Cortina Mark II estate full of camping equipment. But the only way we could get everything in the car, and full respect to Kenneth Gordon-Jones for this... He took the door panels off and the stuff that we had, the inside line of the door panels, like the sandals and the swimming kit or anything that was flattable, filled the gap between the outer metal panels and the inside of the car. That's pretty good. That's quite ingenious. And to cap it all, he even created a speedo, a cardboard stick-on-your-dash-speedo, a sort of rhombus, I suppose, with kilometres on it. So we didn't break the law when we were driving in France. Beautiful. Something inside me wants to live in the sixties and the seventies. When your carriageways were mostly away, we got around.
in-car entertainment on holidays of the 1970s was very different to the luxury that my children enjoy when we go off in a car these days they have their ds's they have their phones they have their dvd players in the back of the car depending on what car we're going in in car entertainment for me in the 1970s on that trip to valencia and back was creepy magazine and eerie oh, sorry comics eerie and creepy comics which my sister picked up in france she couldn't buy them in britain they were sort of really well, they had good comic books in france yeah well they were american comics they were american comics and asterix and... but they were banned in britain because they were too scary for children oh. <laughs> and oh. my sister used to read these or my older sister mel would read these to me and caris in the back seat of the car i was Fantastic. What did you do for in current entertainment in the... It was the 80s, was it, for you? Yeah, but before we got Walkmans, which even then, and your kids would howl with laughter at the thought of this, the idea that every time you wanted to switch albums, at the very least you had to flip the tape over, Mm. which had auto-reverse. But more likely you'd have to then pull out this sort of sideboard-sized box that contains... All your tapes. (laughs) You sort of have the travel tape thing, but then you could only get kind of ten cassettes in it. Now, even if home taping was killing music, but we went on anyway. Put an album on each side of a scene. We bought the the album first, so it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff. You were recording off top of the vinyl, off someone else's cassette. No, not off someone else's cassette. Off your CD, because that's the thing. CDs. Oh, I started buying CDs when I was sort of in the later eighties, and then you put them onto tape because I didn't have a CD Walkman. CDs were things of science fiction when I was on holiday as a kid. But pre-Walkman, I remember very vividly a holiday in Denmark in about 1983 where my parents Talbot Solara, which had a tape deck, and there was only one cassette in the whole car (laughs) that was mutually acceptable to the whole family. All the others have been thrown well, out yeah, the window my in parents, or my... I mean, no, you have to have consensus. Here, right, you imagine this. So a... here's why. Both my parents got quite like classical music, but then my dad liked a lot of Welsh hymn singing. Good lad. No, it's just so cold. <laughs> it just sounds... All that close harmony stuff. Frightening it, people. It, it lowers the temperature in any given situation by four degrees. <laughs> and you're already yeah, in yeah. Denmark. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You're practically so, in Finland no, by the end no, of the first... fjord frozen over? Because Dad put the window down while he's bloody close <laughs> harmony. Cause, no, it is, I, I mean, it's... it's it's, my dad gets all weepy-eyed, and I'm sure you do too, but yeah. but I find it a very sort of Dreary. shivery kind of music. It's not kids' music. My mum liked Gilbert and Sullivan. It's not, not Gilbert O'Sullivan, not Gilbert, Gilbert, and, Gilbert Sullivan. and Sullivan. Yeah. But yeah, again, Pirates of In, in small doses. Like yeah, you know, it's just irritating. 20 seconds at a time, it's fine. But. Now, I don't know what I was into at that point. My brother was four years younger than me, so he was probably still wanted the Muppet show and stuff like that on, but I was trying to pretend I was more grown up than that. And <laughs> So the only cassette... You, you wanted Fraggle Rock. Yes, yes, exactly, the Thinking Man's Muppet show, was the best of ABBA. Ooh. So we drove around Denmark, so it was a bit of a driving holiday. We didn't stay in one place, we went to different places all across the country, and for two whole weeks we just had ABBA, the best of ABBA, on a loop. You know, now, the Solara didn't have auto-reverse, so what would happen is the cassette, I think at that point, would come to an end, and then there would be a rewind. ping. Rewind. And it would, no, I think it would, there would be a ping, and it would sort of eject itself. And then you have to swap it over. As a yeah. little reminder, uh-huh. and if it didn't happen, it would be, Ma, turn the tape over. And as I think, I don't remember anyone complaining or going, let's just put the radio on for a bit. Let's see what the Danes have got to offer in radio for a change. It was just, okay. If you're going to be stuck with one album, best Well, do you know what? It's good. the best yeah. testament to the quality of Abba's singing and songwriting mm. that, to this day, I still absolutely love 
love ABBA and I would happily listen and do listen to Best of ABBA yeah. without I, going, oh my God, I was just treated to some kind of like Danish water torture with it, this album many you know, years ago. Steve Wright, the American comedian, yeah. he yes. tells his fantastic story about how he drove from New York to Los Angeles with a friend in the car. We only had one cassette tape with us. It was a C-45. We listened to it for every minute of that entire journey. And then you say to him, well, what was it? He says, I don't remember. <laughs> I, think, I think he blanked it out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say the gag was something like, they were called Head Cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a band called Head Cleaner, wasn't there, at one point? There will be now.
of going on holidays you get to drive cars or travel in cars that you perhaps might not have experienced in the uk i remember being in spain we flew there with monarch airlines in 1970 i know you two weren't born but i was already nine years old and there was this little spanish rental shop oh no it was mallorca it was 1970 mallorca and there was this spanish little car rental shop and the guy who ran the shop he wasn't italian why hadn't italian accent i don't know he was spanish he, he kept saying to my father that I, have, I have a very good car for you a very good car for you and do you know what that very good car for you was it was a i knew he said fiat but not a seat 600 the slightly larger oh, version yeah, of the yeah, 500 yeah, yeah. built under license by yeah. Seat Automobili or whatever they were called in Spain and so whenever I see any small Seat of the 1960s or 70s now I cannot stop myself from saying a very good car for you well do you know what the Seat seem to struggle to market their cars in this country with any conviction that's sort of auto and stuff and they yeah, never yeah. quite hit home why that, not just that that's a new get the man on one of his slogans just go Seat a very good, a very good car, car. Very why good. not it would be selling my family. Direct, yeah. My like entire family. We had, as a family, a hire car incident in Mallorca. Oh, hello. Early 80s again. Mark won Fiesta. Ah. And. Spanish built car. See, it's funny, yes. Valencia. But I think now, if a family of four went away. Two small kids and the parents, you'd sort of go, oh, we must have a large car, we must have an estate car. Oh, yeah, a Hummer. Like, yes, <laughs> exactly. Whereas, yeah. you know, I don't know what it was, everything was smaller back then, including yeah. all the gubbins that children took with them. And yeah. my parents just went, oh, we'll have a super mini. And it was commodious. I suppose it was, yeah. And yeah. like, a tiny house. Anyway, off we went in the Mark 1 Fiesta. And we were driving around the island one day and my dad, in that dad kind of authoritative way, went, clutches on the way out. What? And then you went to change gear again. There was an awful grunt and you went, hmm. and clutches gone. Wow. Clutches. So we pulled to the side of the road. Thankfully, there was a phone box. Went and called, and then in a sort of "Do you speak English?" kind of way, <laughs> my, shouting to make himself yeah, understood. My yeah. dad managed to get the hire car people, and they said, "Okay, yeah," and worked out where we were. And yeah. they went, "Well, we'll bring you another car, no problem." And so we sat there by this sort of blue Fiesta that now had a broken clutch. And, Was it sky uh, blue? That's yeah, a, very light blue. No, the Ford. That's weird how you remember blue. this, but I do yeah, remember this. Yeah. And then over sort of the brow of a hill I might be making this up but in my head it was over the brow of a hill at great speed a brown fiesta came charging into view oh 1300 perhaps that detail I don't know I think the brown I can ask my dad when I see him I think Ford called it tawny that colour well yes but that's British market maybe the Spanish market oh yeah yeah it screeched to a halt yeah and the guy 
got out and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, uh, whatever. And I was making my dad sound like a retired colonel. He doesn't say anything like this at all. Uh, You've met my dad, in fact. He doesn't talk like that. He doesn't talk like that. But no. for the purpose of this story, he does. And he went, now, look here. And he didn't. We transferred all our stuff into the new Fiesta, and then my dad went, no, Clutch, Clutch has gone. Clutch, look, and sort of showing Clutch. No, no, he's Morte. Clutch, no. He's fine, he's fine, he's fine. Spanish guy. No, 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 Clutch, you can't exchange. Get, no, it's okay. Spanish bloke. Turned it on and then just let it roll a little bit down this incline and then just sort of slammed it Yeah, and then off he disappeared again over another brow of a hill in my mind <laughs> in a cloud of dust with this sort of. And that was the last we saw him, and we just stood there going. Driving as people wow. did in those days in that country, I would imagine. Probably. Oh, yes. Rather crudely. Yeah. With vigour and no clutch. <laughs> did you go on British holidays and Zog? Was that your. No, no, we went abroad, but he didn't yeah. hire a car. The driving wasn't a big part of the holiday. Right. I just don't have strong childhood memories of long motoring trips. Maybe um, they've been erased from your mind because they were traumatic in those days, weren't they? Really? Yeah. Really? I don't, it can't be that traumatic just to be rolling around in the back of the car with no vinyl responsibility seat. with, you know, summer holidays. Yeah, no, I mean, I come Stuck out, to I, the vinyl seats. A yeah. couple of years ago, I'd gone to Italy with a then girlfriend for a friend's wedding and what we, what we picked forward, up it was a, yeah. no, it was Fiat Punto. Punto. And I was slightly disappointed that it was the Punto, actually, because I recall there were actually a few more Lanchers around at the time, and, oh. and I quite fancied driving a Lancher. Oh. So I arranged one with a higher company. But actually, when we got there, they'd run out of whatever the tiny Lancher was there at the time, so I had to take the Punto instead, which was fine. It was an OK car, perfectly serviceable. But I do remember that on the trip heading back to the airport, as time was slipping away, this Punto got faster and faster and faster. <laughs> and I was quite impressed. That, I mean, the last 20 minutes of the journey, I had my foot flat to the floor the whole time and just fingers crossed that there weren't going to be any police around because we just did a quick crunch on the numbers and there was no way we were going to get to the airport without driving absolutely flat out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, to be fair to the little thing, it put up with it, streaked along the... Um, Italian car. Yeah. yeah. Well, Italian no, cars it, always feel happier in Italy for some it's reason. True. Yeah, That's true. And, and being hustled along a bit. And being, yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, Best rental car... And we made the flight. I ever had on a holiday. You're going to go, oh, when you hear this, can you guess where it was? I was in Barbados. What was the rental car? Mini Moke. Correct! Boom! I had a white mini moke. I felt like Roger McGoon, really. Patrick McGoon. Yeah, and him. Scenario. They're coming at you from all sides. 
Most disappointing holiday rental car ever. Fiat Panda in Greece. It was just so very, very used, this car, that when I got hold of it, there wasn't much of a car left, really. It was the ghost of a car. Rental cars can be horrible, but they can be good as well. We went on a holiday to Spain once as a family, and we had to stay at Marbella yeah. with a fold-back canvas roof. Yeah, yeah. But again, a car that had lived a life... The rubber strap that sort of... Do you remember? The, because it was a panda, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spanish-made panda. The canvas roof on those pandas. It was a funny folding mechanism. It sort of the front section folded back and the back section folded forward. And there were sort of rubber straps that held it in place. Rubber strap on the back section, gone. <laughs> Crudely bent piece of wire in its place. <laughs> we parked up one day, closed the roof, went to have some lunch or something, came back, opened the roof up again. In the process, the wire that held the back section dropped out, oh. fell into the back seat... And I went, oh, the wires dropped down, leant into the car, went like that, and the wire punctured my underside of my wrist because it was on the back seat. And I just sort of lifted my arm and went, there's a wire poking out of my wrist. And it hurt. I was about 10, I think. See, my mum was a physio, so fortunately she was kind of like, she knew what to do. Have you still got a scar? No, do you know what? I I can't remember which wrist it was, but no, it was only quite a small one. It was basically like a... No, I was talking about in your memory, in your mind. Oh, yeah. Well, I think back to it, I have. There were two things I remember about that car. First of all, that it attempted to slash my wrist. And secondly, (laughs) that clearly the performance available from the set of Marbella would cause anyone to want to slash their wrist. Because at one point, my dad, with two adults and two children in it, went for a sort of ambitious uphill overtake on the way to, I think, a town called Cadiz. Oh, oh, beautiful it is, beautiful. And then a lorry hoved into view coming downhill. Now, a lorry coming downhill is going to be faster than a wheezy, rubbish <laughs> panda knockoff going uphill with four mm-hmm. people in it. And there was a very hairy moment. Your mum ever did this to your dad, but when your mum uses the sort of urgent tone of voice, my dad's called <laughs> Phil, and I just remember my mum going, Phil? In that sort of, <laughs> I think you need to do something now instead of maintaining the current course of action, which is certain death. Uh. And then, one final thing, we got to Cadiz and there was a test team from Austin Rover in town nice. driving around some Rover 800s, which weren't secret at that point, yeah. but maybe they were testing the upgraded 2.7 litre engine or something. Mm. But yeah, there's sort of three Rover 800s with all test gear strapped to the dashboards. The most exciting yeah, thing yeah. For, yeah, yeah. during the holiday totally. for me, yeah, yeah, the rest yeah. of my family not interested because they're yeah. normal people, but I thought that was fantastic <laughs> as a sort of 10. Eleven-year-old. That that would be yeah. absolutely. In fact, I can date this. this I, do you know what? This was 1987. I was 12 because the Rover 800 came out in 86. I'm going to go now. No, no. I was just sharing in that moment with you there. Okay, here's yeah. another one for a car nut. When I first passed my driving test, I got a Californian driving license long before I had a UK driving license. And the first car I ever rented in the states because I was out there on holiday visiting some friends was a Pontiac Bonneville convertible in Los Angeles, which I rented from Rent-A-Rex. Remember Rent-A-Rex? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I drove it from L.A., from Hollywood, down to Santa Barbara and back, and it overheated twice on the way down and once on the way back fatally. Ooh. Well, actually, we limped into a garage, and that wonderful sort of American retro intermediate technology where they go, yeah, don't worry about it, just put a pipe on there. They're all standard bits, you know, mm. GM and they fixed it and we were on our way again otherwise we were sitting by the side of the road for 40 odd minutes to cool down but that was great I went with my mate Graham and Carla and the Bonneville convertible Mm. the classic bench seat the three of us sat in the front no one in the back now that's the joy of holidays you can feel like a billion dollars even in a car which costs what Thirty dollars a day to rent—that's what it was. I went once to Orlando. Me and two mates from school. We went to Orlando late nineties. 
because another mate of ours had taken a job over there for the summer working in a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And we went over to surprise him. We got an incredibly oh. cheap fly drive deal to Orlando, Manchester to Orlando. It was like 150 quid or something, mm. which even back then, that was pretty stupidly cheap for what yeah. we were getting. Flights, car at the other end. We were the last people off the plane pretty much for some reason, and we were supposed to get a neon. They'd run out, and the guy at the rental desk went, have I got a deal for you? Uh-oh. And for an extra sort of $20 or something, like all in, not $20 a day, just yeah. a ridiculous amount, we got a Chrysler Sebring convertible. Oh, And again, nice. we thought we were yes. a yeah. trillion dollars. I, I had one of those in Florida once as well. Yeah, actually, yeah, I've rented, I rented one again subsequently in Florida when I did the Keys and Miami and stuff. I was worried for you for a moment there, Richard. I was convinced he was going to say, if I got a deal for you, it's the Yugo. Yes. The 45, <laughs> you love it, it's economical. It's did terrible. they sell any Yugos in the States? Yeah. Oh, huge, yeah, huge, yeah, really? especially in Canada. But that's another story. <laughs> it's the day again. And I think I missed some racing. I was drinking rain. Can I ask you for some aspirin and a bottle of coke and some double U? Giant race. 
friend Zog here has developed a skill over the years which I remember you demonstrated when you drove down to join me on a holiday in Dorset just a few years ago effectively using your Porsche as a kitchen or at least an oven. Well, yeah this, this was two or three years ago the big camping yep. do uh, for my 50th near, birthday. Um, Castle, it was it? near Corfe yeah, Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just reviving a technique that I'd messed about with a little bit before when a friend gave me a book magnificently called Manifold Destiny, uh, <laughs> which is the ultimate guide to cooking under your car bonnet. Now, I thoroughly recommend this to anybody who's not too worried about making their engine bay smell a little bit of food. As long as you're not too worried about that, give this a try. This is while you're driving, you're talking This is about. while you're driving. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, your engine bay, there's a lot of heat, mm. there's a lot of hot stuff down there. There are a lot of nooks <laughs> and crannies and places where you can stuff a parcel of food of some kind and you know you leave it there for half an hour it's gonna cook and if you've got a nice little sort of spot over the exhaust manifold for example you can cook yourself a surprisingly substantial meal and on this occasion i picked up some ingredients just before i left it was gonna be an hour and a half or something getting to the campsite picked up some ingredients and i made up a couple of salmon parcels so i've got some aluminium foil a couple of salmon steaks and then just you know, sort of wrap the salmon steaks up in your classic foil parcel mm. with a bit of white wine, a bit of lemon, I think, a bit of garlic and a bit of pepper in there. No, I don't think it don't, don't And, and a bit of Duckham's but, 2040. Uh, yeah. Strictly in the engine. <laughs> and just do it up securely. I find securely. that sometimes when you cook uh, salmon like double that oven, it can be a bit moist, but a bit of WD-40 would just get, yeah, that, get all that water away from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, Plus, oh, lovely aromatic flavour. Mm. You want to double wrap it just in case. And then I think when I was sort of 45 minutes away from just the campsite, in case what, so? they're going to juggle around, jiggle a little bit inside the engine. Right. You know, they might catch on something. You just want to minimise the chances of the whole packet bursting open. Or bursting and, into you know, flames, flavor. causing an electrical yeah. short. Well, no electrical problem. I'm not worried about that, but it's just... Uh, well, a just... great lump of metal in the embodied, a bit of tin foil. That's a risk, isn't it? Do you think there's not any metal under there already? <laughs> yeah, but uh, loose, loose metal what... causing shorts. Just out of interest, where are you putting the parcels? Literally, they were resting kind of in between the exhaust manifold and the inside of the wing. So basically nestled in the V-shape formed by exhaust manifold going down and converging with inside of a wing. I took this recipe straight out of there. There are a bunch of other recipes, but they're all variations on making some sort of packet of food with some kind of liquid component and Sticking it in the engine bay 
leaving it for long enough to stew in its own juices, take it out well, when you get to digestion. You should say stew and because the, I'm wondering if you could use the sort of steam, slow cooker steam, effect. Really, that, yeah, I'm thinking, you, could, you know, if you, you could have do have a suitable container. You could put some meat and carrots and potatoes and you know, yeah, I mean, just make a stew. Although if you well, casserole, mm. food of the future. Mm. Okay, I'm not soup. Okay, here's what I'm not too sure about the actual casserole stew idea. Is that I think if you're going to do a casserole, you need to have a fair volume of liquid sort of yeah. flopping around. Yeah. There, you know? <laughs> um, I've had another thought though. There's genuine one this one, which is just a can of soup, can of normal soup. Mm-hmm. If you left it in there for long enough, and as long as you had some, it would. Yeah, would it explode? Yeah. Well, it'd be yeah. the same. Thing. It would expand. Well, well, no, no, no. It, you it, could make banoffee pie because you, you could, could make, make great banoffee pudding. Yes, yeah, smoke yeah, yeah. in there, and then you'd be sort of halfway to the banoffee pie. And actually, having said it, would explode. I don't think it would because a can of soup would explode if you put it in a fire or something like that. when it gets really, really hot. But if you're just putting it next to your exhaust manifold, it probably wouldn't get hot enough to explode. But you would want to take quite a bit of care when you pierce it for the first time when you're trying to open it because mm. you're going to get a fountain of soup out of the top of it. Maybe I want a fountain of soup. You don't want I've dreamt of having a fountain I, of soup. I love the idea of cooking instructions how to prepare your dish. Prepare all the ingredients and then don't say put it in the oven at gas mark six for four hours. It's put in the engine bay at 70 mile per hour for four hours. Yeah, that's how the recipe is in manifold. You know if you're doing microwave stuff it always says depending on 700, 800, 900 watt microwave but this should be four, six or eight cylinder engine and then adjust the times correctly yeah yeah 30 minutes six cylinder engine yes yeah beautiful you've been listening to gareth jones on speed 2014 summer holiday car special if you're out there cooking food under your bonnet do do it carefully please read up on the safety advice first and let us know how you're getting on cooking food while you're driving and if you're driving something exotic this summer enjoy that too he's been richard goodbye He's been Zog. Goodbye. And I was Gareth. See you when we get back from our holidays. Peace is something we used to take for granted. The Mercedes was good and so was Hamilton's hair. We shared a lot, the car, the team, the daytime. And now it's turned into a bloody mess. Oh, everything was splendid, hunky-dory. We led the pack together A bit of a bore But it all went wrong And we had to write this song About the day that Lewis and Nico went to war Where were you? Were you there too? Standing in the trenches by the fences I was there for sure The day they went to war Has everybody lost their bloody senses? Yeah, so did your dad. How's your father? Right or wrong? Come on, sing this song. Which way are you facing? Day or night? A black or white? This isn't a war about race, it's all about racing. Isn't it grand? We fight over land just to prove that one of us is in control. Both wear a lid, the battlefield's on the grid. We're fighting over the land that we call Poland. Not Poland. Oh, where were you? Were you there too? Standing in the trenches by the fences. I was there for sure the day they went to war. Has everybody lost their bloody senses? Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. 
This battle's not a new one, it's an old one. It's become a bit of a lark, a jolly good spree. Scraps and scrapes, never escapes. England a gem, a bloody knee. But motorsport unites us, not divides us, friends will collide. Are we having a laugh or are we being serious? Don't forget the lads and lasses lost in red eyes. Where were you? Were you there too? Standing in the trenches by the fences. I was there for sure the day they went to war. But everybody lost their bloody senses. As everybody lost their bloody email see pictures get song lyrics join our facebook fan site follow us on twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by whiz bang gareth jones on speed